Hey gals, ghouls, and badass days of the world. I'm your co-host, Cass Clark. And as always, I'm joined by, by my lovely co-host, Ryan C. Bradley. Hello. And today we have two special guests on the pod to discuss all things related to ghoulish books and the upcoming ghoulish tales. We have Max Booth III. Hello, that's me. That's you. <laughs> and Lori Michelle. Good morning. CEO and CFOs of Ghoulish Books. So Ryan, do you want to kick us off? Yes, so these are the duo. They run the, the Ghoulish Book Festival in San Antonio, which was an absolute blast last year. In addition to Ghoulish, Max wrote the novels Touch the Night, Maggot Screaming, We Need to Do Something, which he later adapted into the screenplay for the IFC film by the same name. He also hosts the Ghoulish Podcast and the Ghoulish Show at Radio Coffee and Beer last Tuesday of every month in Austin. Max and Lori are currently running a Kickstarter for 13 new books, including two issues of their new magazine, Ghoulish Tales that all be published in 2023 and possibly a brick and mortar bookstore. Fantastic. That's incredible. You do so much already. So this is interesting to see how it grows. We were definitely looking for office space anyhow. So it yeah. was just like the location it's in. We're like, well, we could sell our books here. You know, maybe we could bring in some other books here. And is the space big enough? I'm guessing like big enough to do like readings and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's nice. a lot of event space. Yeah, we were just looking for a place to like, because right now we have a storage unit for the extra stock we have with for the publishing company, and we are we were already out of room, so we thought why not just upgrade to an office because we need a place to get some stuff done because this house is quickly becoming claustrophobic with our dog toys, <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at a few spots. And then this Ethel bookshop that opened, I think, last June, mm-hmm. um, little kind of friendly with one of the co-owners and the landlord of that place is who's been showing us Ethel spots. And well, she, the the bookstore owner, told us they were closing up shop. So we thought, well, why not take over this space? And it's already it already had some like established cred as a place to buy books. So Mark, and we have been fantasizing about renting a bookshop for yields. So we uh-huh. thought, well, why not just embrace this now? Just jump into it. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Before we go any further, that's a, a big accomplishment. So thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. We're get down to the, the hard, serious questions now. <laughs> yeah. What way <laughs> does your bathroom door open? <laughs> you can see. It opens outward. Look, I know this is a podcast, so this is useless, but it opens out. I'm pointing behind my head, and it opens out. So if a Lovecrafting monster came into your your house, what would you do? Not hide in the I bathroom? <laughs> I would not hide in the bathroom, no. No, no exit. We will, in produ- pre-production, fill the movie, we need to do something. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of producers basically giving me the same note that bathroom duels don't open out. So I, I took a video of myself opening my bathroom, and I emailed it to them, and I said, well, what, is, what does this mean then? Right. And they didn't uh... reply. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. That's what happened. They're like, oh, fine. No, it's a, we need to do something. It's a lovely film. And I watched it before I realized that that was based on the story that you wrote. So then it doubled my appreciation for it. So I would love to hear when you first saw it, I'm assuming you watched the film, but I know some people don't. And that's, that is a choice. Did you screen it alone or did you watch it with other people? And what was that experience like? 
So I know like a lot of screenwriters or even authors who have the book adapted, they have that moment where they see the movie for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I had that moment because I was on set when it was being filmed. Mm-hmm. And also I was in the editing room for a good majority of it. So it's like I cool. saw it being made. So by the time it was done, I had seen every scene like a thousand times. Right. So I don't think I had that moment of, oh, so this is what it's like. Oh, I would love to know just real quick, just because I love to talk about films. Well, we'll talk about books too, I promise. But I would love to know for people that have never been in an editing room before, what's something that happens in that room that you wouldn't expect? Because it's such a unique experience. At a certain point, because it was just myself uh-huh. and the uh, the film editor, uh, Shane mm-hmm. Patrick Field, because we were editing it as it was being shot. So it was in this big like studio building. So in the garage on the ground floor, they were filming the movie. Mm-hmm. Then on the second floor, directly above, we were editing the movie. We were editing the previous day's footage. And um, something that happens <laughs> is you kind of go insane because yeah. you spend a long long time in this pitch black room watching the same like five seconds over and over and over again and you kind of get delirious a little bit um so there was this one incident that happened with shane and i there's a montage scene in the movie where they all try to break down the duel and Mm -hmm. we thought it would be great to uh edit it to the the song um i'm never gonna give you up and um (laughs) So, but we found places in the montage that fit the lyrics. So we spent like five hours of a day making this montage fit the song. And then the uh, director, uh, Sean King O'Grady, he walked up and I was in the hallway kind of just like running my hands through my heel and pacing. (laughs) He said, you have a crazy energy going right now. (laughs) I said, we have to show you something. We showed it to him. He just looked at us and said, uh, all right, I'm going to go back down now. <laughs> uh, needless to say, that was not the uh, the scene we cut made it into the movie, sadly. Uh, well, there's ever a, like a director's cut or special edition. Maybe we can see that because that sounds delightful. I don't know if it got deleted, but maybe it exists. I have it on my computer a little bit. I'm not supposed to. <laughs> Would you need to pay copyright for the song if you release that as like a deleted scene slash blooper reel? I would be sued so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we originally had that song to be the song for the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, at the really last second, we discovered that the person who told us we had the rights was wrong. So we had to change it within like two days of it premiering at Tribeca. And evidently, because with Tribeca, they did the impulse and screening and also online. No one changed the online screening one. So everyone who watched the online premiere had the I'm never going to give you up song. And so the reviews were really confusing to a lot of people. Because <laughs> a lot of people were like, what is this Rickroll bullshit? But only those people saw that vision. And uh-huh. like I've been asked about it at like Q&As and we always deny it. And we always say it was some different song like um, Longview by Green Day or something. <laughs> Uh, welcome to independent cinema folks (laughs) how things get done (laughs) so as part of the kickstarter you're giving away max's excellent novel maggot's screaming so we have a couple questions about the book max you name the characters after your friends and family members which i see a lot of writers do kind of to blur the lines between fiction and reality 
But Maggot Screaming opens, I think within like the first, I listened to the audiobook, but I think within the first hour, they're digging up their own bodies in the backyard. And so I'm curious, what was the motivation and the, or the thinking behind using the real names? Well, I was writing it and um, my stepson, Dylan, he was, I had told him the idea originally because I was trying to spook him. We were digging up a gilding in the backyard and I said, hey, what would happen if we uh, found a body in this hole? And he said, don't talk about that. And then I leaned in close and I said, what if the body was you? <laughs> he didn't like that. So I was keeping him updated on the silly, not because he wanted me to, just because. <laughs> and I finally said, what should we, what should I name this kid? And he goes, I don't know, Dylan. So I said, okay, his name is Dylan. And I said, well, what about the dad? He goes, Max. <laughs> so he named them. <laughs> and then um after that it just felt right to bring in uh andrew and miguel and so forth since i was already using the names of us yeah and Lori, was this something that you and max talked about beforehand how did you feel about your namesake character in the, the novel <laughs> no i never get to know what he's doing until the end <laughs> is that something i should have gotten <laughs> i know your respective titles but i'd love to hear a little bit more about how the two of you split your duties for the press, especially like what interests you, Lori, what interests you, Max? Like, what are you more drawn to covering? Because it is, it is a huge production. Well, Max is definitely more the creative, like like picking the stories. He does all the editing, Mo- not, not all of it, but most of it. I do all the paying royalties. I do all the layout. I do all the bookkeeping. I- I've come from a bookkeeping background, so that just seemed mm. natural to me. You do level design, real yeah. I do some. You do all the website upkeep. Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I I don't know. I like I t- I say he's the creative head and I'm the grunt. So, <laughs> however, I will say like when we were doing Dark Moon Digest, our magazine before that was all mine. I mean, I was the one that read and picked the stories for that. With mm-hmm. and I mean, I asked his opinion. I'd be like, okay, what do you think of this story? Or you know, yeah, you definitely. But you, that was my would, that was my baby. It's kind of like when I do an mm-hmm. anthology. And I narrow it down to like the top uh, 20 or 50 stories. And then I bring you in the right. those. But it reveals with the magazine. You would read the majority of them. Right. And come in and read the last of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I haven't, we haven't really discussed how we're going to do Ghoulish Tales. But I think maybe something similar will happen. Or are we just going to both read them all? We don't know. <laughs> magazine's not going to happen. It's just a scheme to get money. <laughs> As soon as this Kickstarter lands, we're, we're deleting all accounts. We're, we're running to Mexico. <laughs> I'm not running. I oh. promise exercise. <laughs> Why the switch from Dark Moon Digest to, to Ghoulish Tales? We took over Dark Moon Digest, and I mean, it's just run its course, I think. It wasn't a magazine we launched. It was owned by a different person named uh, Sam Swanson, who ran a small press called Dark Moon Books. And that's how we began with the community. We were volunteering with that magazine. Then we began our own press. Stan kind of lost interest in publishing. We didn't want to see the magazine go away. So we bought it from him to take over. And uh, we ran it for a long time. But it came to a point where no one really gave a shit about it. And it was really difficult to make people feel about it. And also, at least to me, it never felt like... It was ours. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. It felt like a like a hand-me-down almost. 
So I never, I never had that special. We have to make this as good as it can be, because it always felt like it belonged to somebody else. And also, in the past few years, somebody else bought Jill Moon Books, the the publishing company that he used to, Stan used to run. And then there began there was a lot of confusion about of who confusion. was publishing the magazine, and the other guy was getting credit. So it's like, why are we doing this? Yeah, <laughs> to uh, increase payment as well. And we thought, well, why would we do it for this magazine that is on the expiration shelf why not relaunch something else especially since we had already just rebranded a perpetual motion machine as ghoulish why not embrace the ghoulish theme even more with a magazine Mm. and on that note i'd love to hear more about what you hope ghoulish tales will bring to the horror publishing world whether it's what kind of stories you want to uplift what kind of tone you want to bring in what kind of content Something you'll discover quickly is when we'll ask, like, why we want to do something. We don't have much of an answer <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think a long time ago, some witch in a swamp cursed us to just want to constantly embrace new projects without any rhyme or reason. Mm. Because if, if we stop, maybe we'll just die. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> with, with this magazine, um, something slightly different from DMD maybe is we're trying to embrace more just like fun uh, stories, like mm. the fun side of it, kind of like Tales from the Crypt. Most of those were like a big depressing, but more of it was like a fun time. Yeah. And it felt like a celebration of the, the genre. So something like that, I think, is what we're hoping to do. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. So the Kickstarter will help you all, among many things, release two issues of Ghoulish Tales. But there's also 13 books coming out uh, in 2023-ish with Ghoulish Books. So I'd love to hear of the ones that have been announced, uh, a rundown of the titles and the authors. I know I'm really excited for Bound in Flesh, which will be an anthology of trans body horror, which just sounds fascinating. But I'd love to hear about the other titles and give a little shine to those authors, too, on the pod. Absolutely. All of them have been announced at this point and it's all available to read about on the uh, Kickstarter itself. Um, as you said, we have Bound in Flesh, so I'll, I'll skip that one. We also have Conjuring the Witch by Jessica Leonard. And we published Jessica Leonard's debut novel, Antioch, in 2020, and it took off pretty well, I think. And we love working with Jessica. So we were excited to get her new novel, Conjuring the Witch. It's a book that takes place in a small town with these people who go to this kind of strange uh, church and the the reverend is always telling them hey those those witches in the woods don't go in the woods and well someone goes in the woods and bad things happen that's a great one we have let the woods keep old bodies by em roy and this is a debut novel by someone that em roy is someone i've never read until i found novel in my slush pile and i loved it we're kind of pitching it as twin peaks meets my best friend's exorcism it's about this young woman whose girlfriend goes missing in a small town and the police seem to think that maybe she did it but she seems to think it might be have something to do with the cryptic uh, monstrosities in the woods we also have like real by shelly lyons that is Nolavik. It's a body hill romantic comedy about a guy who loses his hand and then gets a new <laughs> hand. But then that hand falls in love with the woman he's dating and they begin competing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> the only safe place left is the Dirk by Willard Wagnall. It's another book we have coming out. It's a novella about an HIV positive gay man who has to leave the safety of his cabin in the woods to fight the zombie apocalypse and find the medication he just ran out of. That one's pretty, uh, pretty bleak. Yeah. We call that one fun, but it's great. Uh, we have Rainbow Filth by Tim Miles, which is about these college students who discover a drug that kind of opens a like a like a realm into a different reality, a paddle way. That one's pretty psychedelic and awesome. We have Saint Grit by Kaylee Schultz, which is a book we'll pitching as Gummo meets the craft. It's about this woman who uh, conjures a witch in the woods via self-orgasm, and um, <laughs> things happen. Uh, we actually have two different front covers of that book available because the, the cover we commissioned ended up being uh, a bit too uh, not safe for milk, and we can't sell it like on Amazon. So <laughs> we have a censored and an uncensored version available. The uncensored uh -huh. one will be available on Kickstarter and the website we have. And also if you come up to us like at a at an event, we might have a copy like hidden underneath the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could even have it full sell like on top of the table. <laughs> Too many kids walk by. I mean, to describe the um, the Kevil, it is the, the the POV of a woman laying on her back, completely naked, receiving ill sex by a man with a Satan mask on. <laughs> Pretty good Kevil. The next book we have is The Screaming Child by Scott Adelberg. Now, Scott is mostly a crime rival, and this book is very much in the the crime genre, but it's also a whole novel as well, about this grieving woman who is trying to write a book about some famous person who died in in this uh, remote wilderness region and she's grieving because her son has gone missing and everybody thinks the kid is dead but when she's in the wood woods looking on this novel she begins hearing a strange uh, distant scream that she's convinced belongs to her kid so she has to figure that out uh, we also have what happened was impossible by ef schradel that's a, a novella that it's difficult to say too much about but we're pitching it as um, we need to talk about Kevin meets American Psycho. Oh, that's one of those books where the less you say about it, the better when you finally read it. It's really much a what the fuck is going on type of book. And lastly, we have Escrement Mountain, spelled uh, without any vowels, so it's just X C L M N T M N T N, by uh, <laughs> Andrew Hillbilt, who uh, Ryan at least knows. It's Andrew about a it's about a uh, a giant mountain of excrement from space that lands in Austin, Texas, and a uh, disgraced filmmaker from uh, Italy decides to uh, make a movie on it and <laughs> it's uh, it doesn't go well oh, i love that trauma <laughs> yes we uh we pitched it as um the greasy strangle meets uh, a american movie which uh don't really go together but with this book <laughs> it makes sense and i think that's it awesome they all sound so good and so you know yeah, very excited
Oh, we also have, because we hit a stretch goal, a, a book called The Book of Frank, which oh, is yeah. a, cool, a collection I'm writing about my dog, Frank, who's a dachshund. I forgot oh. to ask about the editorial interns, Frank and Conan, so I'm glad that we brought Frank back into the conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to get him up, but he does not want to get up, which is maybe feel the best. Right now, he's sleeping on my foot. Oh. oh. So before the Kickstarter, you also released Maggot Screaming as an audiobook via the Ghoulish podcast as narrated by John Wayne Communale. He did yeah. excellent work with the narration. And so if the Kickstarter hits 25,000 a goal, there's going to be more audiobooks. Will he be reading some of them? Do you Potentially. Have, do you already have narrators and engineers lined up if that goal is reached? Nope. <laughs> um, been in communication with a few people. Some of the books we'd already contracted the audio rights for, but not all of them. So if, it, if we hit the 25K, we will expand the contracts and everybody to do audio. But um, like, like Conjuring the Witch, we already uh, have an audio book planned. And um, Linda Jones will be reading that book. She also did my novella, We Need to Do Something, which is also available for free on my podcast. There might be a time and place in the future, maybe, where I will help edit someone's audiobook. Won't mention whose or what's. Something about the experience you wish someone told you ahead of time when making an audiobook. Any type of name that might be difficult to pronounce, tell them ahead of time how to say it. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, in Maggot Screaming, for someone named Dr. Winsenreed. And I didn't think to uh, tell the narrator how to say that. So throughout the book, he had completely said it wrong. And <laughs> I said, uh, please go through and fix this. <laughs> and that took a, that, that was a big delay on the book. It also just takes a long time for the audiobook to read the websites once mm. you submit it. And I didn't realize that. Like Maggot Screaming, I submitted it, I don't know what month it was, but it took several months for to hit all of the places after submitting it. I don't know why it's so slow, but. Be prepared for that. We um, I use a, a website called Find Away Voices, and they basically add it to all the places available that will host an audiobook. And it does take a while, but I think it's real. Th- I don't think going exclusive with Amazon and anything is a good idea. So, so far, this Kickstarter has been a meteoric success. You reached your first goal within a couple of hours of opening. You're on the twenty thousand stretch goal now. Was this a response y'all expected or more of a pleasant surprise? It was a surprise. I was talking to my friend, Zach Chapman, who, you know, and he had done a Kickstarter last year for a graphic novel. So he had some experience with that. I made him look at my campaign several times before launching it. He was really confident that I was going to get at least 20,000. I was not, but he seemed pretty confident. So that's why I like created those stretch goals. Ahead of time of like the twenty five thousand being audiobooks, just because he seemed confident, I I wasn't even sure we would hit the the seven thousand initial goal that we had set, but then we did within like I think we were at eight maybe ten thousand within nine hours of launching, and that was pretty uh, surprising. Yeah, we had we had done something kind of similar the previous year, not crowdfunding wise. We had sold the bundles for all year long on our website, where you got all whatever, however many books we had last year, seven, eight, and then you got some cool surprises. So we decided that we wanted to do that again, and he said, "Well, why don't we try doing it crowdfunding because then more people have can see it." Hmm. 
And so that's what we've done. And I want to say people that we've gotten so far that have backed the big bundles are people we've never heard of before. So that's kind of cool. That's awesome. You know, you recognize some names and you go, okay, that's that's so-and-so and and that's so-and-so. But this is when we call out the list of names we've made of people who (laughs) have it back. (laughs) We we assume would. (laughs) I have a list of grudges. It's my I have a notebook called Grudges. (laughs) I've been updating it frequently. So Lori, did you expect this kind of meteoric success? I never know what to expect when Max comes up with an idea, because 90% of the time it's super successful. (laughs) I always brace myself for that. Okay, well, you know, I can't get my hopes up too high. So like he kept saying, what if this Kickstarter doesn't make? What if it doesn't make? I'm like, I know it's going to make. I don't know how much more money we'll make off of it, but I know we're going to hit our initial goal. Did you explain why we went with 7,000? That's what we made last year on the bundles that we sold last year. So we figured that was a good starting off point because we we don't at least match that. Then then what's the point? Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. Well, you've more than matched that, so congrats. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it says on the website, if you look at it, it says 300 percent funded, so that's pretty cool looking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, assuming assuming that everyone's bank account is up to snuff, right? It could could end. We could have $2. (laughs) We've had many people, like, pledge, like, three to 500, and then a week later, they delete it, so it's like, my hopes will not completely up. Like this could still go to the shit. I feel like if you reach the initial goal with Kickstarter, they should just challenge everybody right then. It's instantly. Yeah. Wow. Ryan, do you want to take us with our final yeah. question? So I had a, a blast at last year's Ghoulish Book Festival, and I'm very excited for this year's, especially because it's going to double as your wedding. And I guess my last question: Are you all registered anywhere? No, because <laughs> yes, everybody... uh, kickstarter.com. <laughs> I, I mean, we've been living together for 11 years. I mean, we have a household set up. So it's like, what do we need? Just support mm. most of anything. We could. What, what's money. a good place for like bookshop supplies? Yeah. <laughs> Office Depot. <laughs> Shelves. Shelves. So, yeah, no, we're not really registered anywhere. We don't really expect presents. We just figured that the Book Fest was the one time we'd have most of our friends from around the United States and possibly, well, we have somebody coming in from Australia this year yeah. from around yeah. the world that will be there. So that would be the best time to say okay this is official you know it's also tremendously funny to me to uh make someone buy a badge to go to a wedding (laughs) (laughs) we're very simple people so we'll get married we'll have some cake but possibly some wine for the people that are 21 plus i know i have a bunch of students that want to come and see it so we have a spooky campfire contest well everyone reads really outrageous things and that's going to directly follow the wedding i think there might have to be like a half an hour break in there yeah yeah you can't uh, have the, the students there for that. Yeah. well some of them would be okay but some of them no. yeah it's gonna be like a like the reception but reading still is it's possibly the geekiest thing anyone's ever thought of hurry yes <laughs> Well, congratulations to you both for that, too. This year is going to be a lot. Uh (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm tired thinking about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. I feel it'll be good. It'll it'll be bad. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) 
Is there anything that we haven't asked you about the press that you would like to talk about? Uh, we would hope that people maybe come join us at the book festival. That'd yeah. be great. It's April 14th through the 16th. Yeah. You can buy badges at ghoulishbookfest.com. We would love to have people. I love meeting new people. To all our listeners, please back the Kickstarter. They do awesome work. You're going to really enjoy these books. And the and the infamous builds of the scholars and poets, uh, Backstreet Boys. Back, back, back. I <laughs> 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 don't think that's how it goes, but okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember if I was in the sync. Well, the it was, it's in sync. Really, it is. But Backstreet Boys has the Laurie's word right. back in the name. No, but it's Laurie's right. Bye bye. It made no sense because <laughs> I know. Oh, it's. I didn't know what song you were talking about. It it's bye 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 bye. bye, bye, bye. Yeah. Back, oh, back, back. Is it? Yes. I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you.